0: Peace, peace, and welcome. We're glad you're here. This is the Cook on Monday Morning Podcast. I am here with the lovely, the brilliant, one of the people- Keep going, keep going. (laughs) One of the people that, uh, one of my most trusted political confidants, a woman that I've looked up to for a very long time that I think our city should be honored to be connected to, Ms. Sophie Maxwell.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. Glad to be here.
0: Glad to have you here. (laughs) At Cook on Monday Morning, we believe that if you own Monday morning, you can own the week. If you own the week, you can own the year. And if you change your year, you can change your life. Uh, Miss Maxwell uh, is one of the former supervisors of San Francisco. She's currently running for the DCCC. Uh, This is going to be her second term once she wins on March 3rd. And... She and her family have been uh, true servants to the city of San Francisco, so I'm excited to get into your story, to hear about the lessons you learned along the way, to hopefully impart some wisdom about what San Francisco can be doing better, so thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so where do we begin? <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, um you were serving as supervisor in San Francisco from which years? Um,
1: two thousand one to two
0: thousand eleven. Okay. And uh, what was that initial race like? Like, did, were you appointed? Were you? Did you win? What, what happened?
1: Well, this was a time when we went back to district elections. Okay. Um, after an incident that many people know about um, with Harvey Milk, um, killing our love and respected mayor and supervisor. Mm-hmm. Um, and people said, okay, no more district elections for a while. So we went back to district elections, and this was the first time. So it was really exciting because mm-hmm. a lot of the candidates at that time were all um, kind of activists. They'd been mm-hmm. active in their community. They weren't lawyers. They weren't trying to facilitate anything they were just working their community and there were a lot of things that we wanted to work on and and a lot of things that we wanted to change Mm
0: -hmm. and so how crowded was your initial race like how many people were running
1: well in my initial race I think there might have been seven or eight and um, at least five of those people were black women
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it's great and before, before you ran, you were, uh, or you are, you are, an electrician.
1: Yeah, I was an electrician. I maintained and repaired the electrical systems on trains, and I also had uh, my own general contractor's license, and I did some work on the side. Mm-hmm. A lot of people know about side jobs.
0: Right. <laughs> uh, how did you get into that, the, that trade?
1: Well, it was a time... Um, when it was women in non-traditional jobs. Mm-hmm. And so i had always seen all these pe- men you know, coming in of our, out of our house. My father was a general contractor. Okay. And the cleanest ones, I mean, they made really, really good money.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the cleanest ones were the electricians. Mm-hmm. And I always liked math. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? My nails could grow, and I could have a lot of money, and uh, I could still... I was married at the time, mm-hmm. um, and my husband was a teacher. And when I told him I wanted to do this, he said... Are you out of your mind? Mm. I'm going to be a teacher and you're going to be an electrician? Mm. How's that going to look? Mm. But little did he know that I was contemplating getting a divorce anyway. And so (laughs) these were part of my plans. Uh, And I was going to be making more money as an apprentice than uh, he was as as a teacher. So mm. I continued my plans and consequently we got the divorce and I became an electrician.
0: Uh, uh, But you also grew up in the city, right?
1: Yes, born and raised.
0: Where'd you go to school?
1: I went to Herbert Hoover Junior High School. Uh-huh. I went to, um, oh my God, uh, LeConte, which is now something else. <laughs> <laughs> it was on Cesar Chavez. Okay. And I went to Poly for a minute, and then I went away to birding, bro, um, boarding school in mm. Utah. Oh, wow. all places. Where in Utah? Um, around, right outside of Provo. Okay. Provo, Utah. It was called Mount Utah. Pleasant, okay. Utah. <laughs> and there was a Presbyterian boarding school there,
0: and my mother oh. was um, a Presbyterian minister, so mm. I went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, your your mother has a very important legacy. It's mm-hmm. how we have a school named after her. Yes. Talk a little bit about who your mother was well, and the type of work she did.
1: My mother was uh, Enola Maxwell, Nola mm-hmm. D. Maxwell. And she was a brilliant woman. She was a little woman. She was about... Maybe five feet and maybe 98 pounds, mm-hmm. but she carried a big stick.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, she was brilliant. She was smart. Um, really enjoyed math mm-hmm. and thought very logically. I mean, she looked at things from a very logical perspective. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time we were, um, we were out, she was speaking somewhere, and she said it was with the firemen, and they were trying to um, integrate the fire department. And she said, well, who do you think puts out the fires in China mm. and Japan? Because they were saying they were too short. Hmm. she just hit the nail right on the head right yeah. so that yeah. was my mother
0: yeah yeah, yeah. so you, you picked up some uh mm-hmm. some qualities from her so you mentioned you love math you said mm-hmm. that she loved yeah. math yeah and my
1: father did too so
0: oh, both yeah. of them mm-hmm. and uh and you all were both committed to community service it sounds like it's very involved mm-hmm. household what was that what was your upbringing like
1: well during my that time you know it was the civil rights time it was um, marching Martin Luther King. We were marching for school integration, cab integration. Um, so black people could sell Cadillacs. We were driving them. Mm-hmm. So it was just during that time that it was a social, um, a social revolution.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so we were a part of that. Mm-hmm. And my mother and my grandmother were on the line for cabs and yellow cabs and, and, and a Cadillacs and at the board of education. That's just what we did.
0: Mm-hmm. Um what was what was San Francisco like um, for, what, what did the black community look like in San Francisco when you were growing up?
1: Well, what I remember is it was big. Mm-hmm. Um, we had everybody, lawyers and doctors, many lawyers, many doctors, Willie Brown and a whole lot of people mm-hmm. were were like that. And, and communities all over um, in the Fillmore, in the Haight-Ashbury, it was hustling and bustling. And we had businesses you would go down on Fillmore Street, you know, and there were fish, fish businesses and, mm. and other products that black people liked. And and there were nightclubs. Social life was big mm. um, then. Mm. Yeah. Lots of families, mm-hmm. lots of people.
0: Where, and you were at, were you, did you grow up in the Fillmore?
1: No, no. I grew up um, kind of in, well, we started off in the Carolina Projects, which is where my mother's school is now. Okay. Um, there were projects yep. there. hmm on Patrol Hill. Okay. And then we, my mother and grandmother bought a home on uh, a house in the Mission District. Mm-hmm. And then they bought another house in the Haight Ashbury District when mm-hmm. I was about 12, 13. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, that's kind of where I grew up, I think, is basically in the Haight Ashbury.
0: Right. Did you, do you have siblings?
1: Yeah, I have a brother. I had a brother. He died. He was about oh, ten years older, and a sister is twelve years older.
0: Okay, okay. So the three of you are growing up in the, this time in the city where there was a lot of black professionals, a lot of activism. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and you were you had parents that were very involved mm-hmm. in helping shape San Francisco. Yes, active. Yeah. And um and so what were some of like the the main lessons that you remember your parents really pushing as you guys were growing up
1: civic responsibility mm. that if you want change you have to be a part of that change you can't mm-hmm. just sit back and blame other people
0: right.
1: um, engagement and tolerance and love and understanding and respect
0: mm-hmm. when um i've been thinking a lot about this neighbor we're in hayes valley right now and i've been thinking a lot about the fillmore corridor And um, I want to get into a lot of San Francisco issues as we talk today. I want to talk about the issues that you championed and you advanced. May may I just say one more thing that my
1: mother taught me that, and she said, if there are any superior people on the face of this earth, she said, now mind you, I'm saying if, Mm -hmm. you are a part of that group and don't you ever forget that. And so that that really
0: helped, you Mm. know, that you stand tall and straight. Right. I feel like I gotta say, Amen. Yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a powerful message. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So you grew up like seeing people actively improve the city, mm-hmm. yes. and um, and we talked about all the black businesses that used to be a part of sort of this area of the city and other areas of the city. Um, what do you think the the city would need to do, or if it's possible to recreate that? Like, what would the city? What role would the city have to play?
1: Well, I think being open mm-hmm. to it and projecting the desire and want, you know, it's little things. Like when you put out, pay, uh, when you ask people to come to your city, the Chamber of Commerce,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that when somebody looks at businesses, they see Black businesses and Asian businesses and uh, Latin businesses, Latinx businesses,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, not just one group. Right. I mean, there's a way, there's messages. And when you send out a message that's all one group, people get it. Mm-hmm. So if you want integration, if you want different businesses, you do that. I mean, we, we had real estate businesses. We had insurance businesses. Mm. So, mm. Um, you know, it wasn't just about cutting hair. It was all the other things that go with that.
0: Right. Yeah. Every every aspect of anything, mm. any type of service you would need. Yeah.
1: Big yeah. real estate
0: people mm-hmm. that were doing and helped you get
1: money and helped you get loans and and showed you how to do that and how to claim your rings, mm-hmm. you know, as as part of what you have.
0: Mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. 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 And so when you all, so you, you saw all this stuff, um, very important things to see. You got some important messages. Mm-hmm. You started a career. You went into a career as an electrician and then you decided to run for office. Uh, how did your family respond when you first said you were going to go do this?
1: Well, I said, Mom, can you see me being an electrician on a train? She said, Sophie, I can see you being an electrician anywhere or anything else you want to be. Mm-hmm. Just nip that in the bud.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, plus, you know, I, was, I had my, my, my son, my child at that time, and I, I wanted to live, not just survive. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be able to buy a house and a car and do things. And that's what I saw these men doing, you know. Um, they were living a good life, and I decided that I could do that.
0: Right, right, and so when you decided to run for office what when were you I sure?
1: decided to run for office i I had been involved um I was living then uh we had bought a another house in the um Bayview mm-hmm. and so I had been living um there for a while, and my son um was had cancer,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it just kind of threw me for a loop for a minute, and then I just got busy doing something about it and i ran for the PAC, which was the project area committee, mm-hmm. um, which was a part of the redevelopment whenever there was going to be a redevelopment area. After um, what they did to the Fillmore, there had to be a lot of community input and there had to be community involvement and you had to run for a board.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I did.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and And that kind of spurred me on to try to clean up and get rid of PG and E wanted to have another, build another, and bigger power plant at the time. Mm-hmm. So I got busy trying to work against that and got involved with a lot of people and um, with the project area committee. We had plans, you know, that we wanted for our community, and so we thought, okay, so we have to go to the board of super. Who's going to make sure that this gets done? Mm-hmm. And so, for some reason, this strange voice came out of me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I was the one, mm-hmm. and it shocked me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: and I was surprised
0: yeah yeah the the Bayview district there's like a lot of history around um, environmental like injustice and um, the story about your son is, is really unfortunate you, you shared it <laughs> with me in the past uh, and it all you know what there's a bunch of public health issues for residents in the Bayview still and um, you want to speak to a few of those like what what some of those are and and
1: well you know, racism is, is a real good tool. Mm. If, you want to, if you want to affect everything about a person's life, if you want to affect their health, their education, how they think, how they feel, um, you can do it through that tool. Mm. And that's what's been done. So I can speak to that. I mean, when you look at the educational system, when you look at the schools in the Bayview, how is it that they're still the same? Mm-hmm. How is it that the kids change, you know, the teachers may change, but the system is the same? Mm-hmm. So, those systematic racism is is just, it's just an amazing tool, mm-hmm. and that's what's been used against us, health. How is it we still have people change, you still have the highest rate of asthma, highest rate of cancer? What, why? Why mm-hmm. is that? Mm-hmm. Why is it that you still have the highest rate of poverty?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, it's a system, it's systematic. Right. And, and that's what is still facing the Bayview, even though, um, you know, it's changing. Certainly, um, there are different people in the Bayview. I think it has a higher Asian population now mm-hmm. than it does a black population.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I remember reading about that shift mm-hmm. that uh, the uh, black residents are no longer the majority in Bayview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and a lot of those systemic racist issues, they affect, they've affected many areas of black life in the community, uh, like what you said for an education and public health and employment. And and so, you know, before knowing, before getting to know you, I knew about your deep focus on environmental issues. Uh, and what, what are some of the things that, you know, was this one of the things that you ran on or was it um, something that you decided to dive deep on once you got elected?
1: No, I think it was always a part of it because, again, um, my son had cancer. Right. And so I didn't want any other mother's son to go through that. I thought, you know, you rest, messed with the wrong mother's son. You messed with the wrong person here. Right. So I wanted to really do something and make a difference. Mm-hmm. And that power plant, mm-hmm. two of them, where are they? Right. They're in, they're in Petrol Hill mm-hmm. and they're in Bayview. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to get rid of those plants. Mm-hmm. And that's what I. Um, that was my focus.
0: Mm-hmm. What was that? What was that like going up against? You know, something like that big industry that had those 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 long roots. That was. Um. It was. They were. It was toxic to the community. But you went in and tried to fight it. What was that journey? Well, like?
1: it was a lot of people with me, mm-hmm. and that's what made the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, because I could look, turn around, look behind me and see a whole lot of people. So I was not by myself. It was like collective leadership. Mm -hmm. We were working on this together. Mm -hmm. And it was Betrayal Hill, which was really wonderful. And it was Bayview. It was all of us. Mm -hmm. We had a a focus. And that was getting rid of those plants. So for me, I had a lot of help and a lot of people with me. Mm -hmm. And that's what, what spurred me on through I think two, three mayors. Mm-hmm. um, we kept fighting and we eventually got rid of those plants.
0: And, and what was the catalyst to get rid of them? Like what, what happened?
1: Well, it was the hard work. Mm-hmm. And, um, and finally we just wore people down and people start realizing it and looking at it and things started to change. Um, PG and E started people looking at them differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, trying to find a solution. And certainly the health risks and issues could not go away. It mm-hmm. stared people in the face. Yeah. So I think that's what helped it all. And we just brought a consciousness and a focus to it.
0: All right. What were some of the other major issues that, um, that you worked on? while you Shipyard. Were, mm-hmm.
1: Shipyard was a big one because there is another issue with health. And, um, You know, and toxicity and and all of that and an opportunity for jobs and an opportunity for housing, but it had to be cleaned up. It was like an open sore
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and you had to get, you had to clean it up. You had to get rid of it. And people, you know, there was issues about how and who and what, but there was never an issue about it being cleaned up
0: hmm Yeah. Yeah, you well, you you know my my grandmother.
1: Yes, I do. Oh, that's we met. And, yes.
0: <laughs> and uh, you know, she she raised my sister and me on Oak Street. Yeah. But um but I went to Olivet uh on Third and Revere and I went to Third Marshall mm. High School. So yes. I was out in the Bayview a lot. I was I was at Thurgood the day when the melee happened and the big fight broke out and all the police came to campus. Yes. And I know that um safety in a neighborhood has historically been an issue. What was that like for you being a supervisor at the time, working on that, seeing all that happen?
1: Well, um I did some work on your grandmother's house. That's how yep. we met. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, she sings your as
2: praises. Right? She loves you. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, I think, you know, it was it was difficult. It was um it was hard because you know you knew that the justice criminal justice system they knew where these kids were they had cameras on every corner they knew mm-hmm. where they hung out they knew what was going to happen when mm-hmm. or that something would happen and then we just fell right into it it was just it was just very heartbreaking it yeah. was heartbreaking it was heartbreaking because young beautiful young men who could be so much help to our city so valuable
2: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, they they had so much going for them, but then they were hurt, and they had other issues. A lot of them were foster kids, and they belonged to the city, and we never treated them right. Right. In fact, most of the kids in in the juvenile system were foster. Mm -hmm. That means they belonged to the city, Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: and they were taken away from their parents, young ages,
2: um,
1: during the crack epidemic.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So there were a lot of issues there, and mental health issues were to never get talked about or thought about as far as our young black men
2: mm-hmm.
1: and which is unfortunate because there's been a 60% rise in suicide among that group right yeah 60% and so nobody seems to understand that they have mental health issues
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you get treated a certain ways so long and I I think it it certainly affects anybody, and especially them.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was it was the side effects of 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 mental health have always sort of been discussed, but I feel like only recently it's been a high priority conversation, Mm -hmm. like the need to address um, historic trauma, immediate trauma, and I mean, you had mentioned all these other issues like education, employment, environment, and when all those things are impact um, in, in a community at once we we also didn't talk about like over policing you know which mm-hmm. which which happens in our city Um we were like six percent of the population and eighty percent of the arrest the black community and so it's like you, you had a you had a i mean you've always you you had a very difficult job and you you took on very difficult work and i've always admired you for it and i it, you know i was it was i wanted to use this time to get some insights on like the lessons that you learned and the things that you saw mm-hmm. while you were doing that work? Um, any broad ones you want to share? Yeah,
1: health. Mm-hmm. You know, health disparities among African Americans. And and it crosses socioeconomic lines. So what is that about?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, what's about our health? This has been a very unhealthy city for San Francisco, for African Americans.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, spiritually, mentally, physically. Um, there was a time I mentioned when we were um, more of a population had community had our doctors and people that was it was different mm-hmm. people it was very different but now it's again you're you're falling into this trap where this racism and this lack of understanding uh, is is big and it it looms big over everything mm-hmm. health. I mean, you know, the disparities. Mm -hmm. And you've got Kaiser, and you've got UCSF, and you've got Stanford down the street, but it still exists. Mm -hmm. So what is that about? Um, And is it conscious or unconscious or systematic, which means you don't even have to think about it. It just happens automatically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so that's um, a
1: big one for me the health disparities
0: that's huge mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think it's important that you've remained committed to addressing these issues in a policy and political way mm-hmm. you're currently running for the
1: which is the democratic county central committee uh-huh. and runs the democratic party in san francisco and you know we always talk about those democratic values well let's if we're going to talk about it let's Bring it to the table.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, tell us, tell me a little about the race, where it's at, and how it's going.
1: Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm working all the time, and mm-hmm. and I think it's important that San Franciscans understand it's our our local politics are important, but what happens, what happens at the state and what happens at the federal level is big. Mm-hmm. It's huge for us, and so basically, I, I'm on the DCCC, but I'm working on those big issues. I'm working with. Uh, resistance groups like Indivisible, mm-hmm. um, Swing Left, Ladies of the Resistance, mm-hmm. Democracy in Action, Sister District. I'm working with those people because they're doing state races all over the country. Mm-hmm. No matter what happens with this impeachment, we can change, McConnell. we can get rid of some of these people, mm-hmm. these Republicans, or I should say some of the people that are not doing the best for the bulk of us. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, so I, I think we can make a ja- a change, mm-hmm. and all politics are local, mm-hmm. and people can get involved in their local politics and make phone calls and go to Mantega and, and Central Valley. Um, that's where I was going, and mm-hmm. it made a difference because... Um, we won back those seats from the Republicans.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one thing that I was going to speak to, too, because, you know, we, we've talked a bunch, obviously, outside of like this formal interview um, format. And you were telling me about the places that you drove mm-hmm. to like knock on doors mm-hmm. and like you're very active.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Um, can you speak to some of that? Like what, what you've been doing recently? I, I mean, before this race, you have to do your own race now. But yeah. in the last few years, how you, during your during your term on DCCCC? how active you've been in supporting some of the other candidates
1: well you know we in 2018 we we changed california from red in spots even southern california to blue mm-hmm. and that was being active people making phone calls they brought my friends in they were texting and people really feel like i made a difference mm-hmm. and you can make a difference i mean in one of our races um, Josh Harder, and that was in Manteca in that area. He won by 164 votes. Mm. That's just how close it was. Yeah. and it's doable. I mean, when I look at Georgia and Stacey Abrams, they right. cheated. They mm. cheated. or She could have won, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. and and we came so close, closer mm. than ever before mm. in Georgia. So I'm I'm very optimistic about what's coming in, in 2020. And and I think people have a different. Feeling now, they know that. Uh, I think we've tried to get out that politics are local, and mm-hmm. what you do on the local level affects every level. It affects the state, it affects, um, you know, the the um, national level. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that can be done. Always, I I just refuse to be. I'm an optimistic person because I've seen I've seen it. I've seen so many changes. I mean, just in my lifetime, you know, black people could not vote in the south. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's it's amazing. I mean, your your age of people think, oh, way back then, but no, it wasn't that far.
2: Yeah,
1: it really wasn't. Right. And so there's a lot that we can be do. We can do, and especially if we build coalitions with other people. Mm-hmm. I think it's it behooves us to understand that poor people have never been the problem,
2: right.
1: no matter where they come from.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, uh, people coming from Mexico, Guatemala. Mm-hmm. Those people are not our problem because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're not the problem. Mm-hmm. It's the wealthy and the rich and the imbalance that's always been the problem. So we need to get these people, grab them by the hand, and, and make coalitions. Right. And what was good for us is good for them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. And, and we need to fight against fam- families being mistreated um, mm-hmm. and, and put in any kind of camps. That is not good for anybody. It's wrong. It's wrong. It was wrong when it was done to us, mm-hmm. and it's wrong. And we need to speak out against that. Any injustice anywhere, yeah. African Americans have a duty and a responsibility to speak out against it.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and you're definitely showing that, and 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 how committed you've been to uh, the political work and the community work. Um, and uh, you know, there's there's a there's a I want to tell like this one story: the, the integrity that you bring to the work, the the integrity that you bring to Working together um, even if there's a difference the people that, that aren't necessarily politically aligned right because mm-hmm. uh, when I first started working in San Francisco after I graduated from Williams I mentioned I you know I actually to shadow you for a day yeah. and you let me sit in on the meetings that you were having but that year there was a vote for the president of the Board of Supervisors yes and it was you. Um, against David Chu, mm-hmm. who's now this uh, state assembly person, yes. and um, and then with David Chu's way, and the re- response that you had after he won was just like incredibly gracious. It was like um, I'm, I'm committed to support you to help build. I mean, what do you yeah. want? Do you want to <laughs> say whatever? <happened? laughs> no, but
1: you know, because it's all about the city, mm-hmm. and once you realize what it's about, then you, know, you let that go because you have work to do, okay. and if you take it personal. Then it becomes something else. But if it's about the city, and and you were committed to the city, then whoever takes the helm, you will work with them um, for the better goal of the city.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it just keeps it all pretty much level. You don't have to remember to hate anybody, or I'm not talking to this person, and mm-hmm. all that. You can forget all of that because mm-hmm. once you once it's done, it's about the work of the city, and that's what you took you know an oath to uphold and to do
0: yeah, not everybody does that though, which is no, <laughs> which is why I have to like uh harp on how incredible it was to see because yeah. uh because you were um you were coming to the end of your term, mm-hmm. and uh David Chu had just gotten elected, he was like brand new mm-hmm. right, so if you look at the experience aspect uh you have more experience, and um the the type of community that you committed to and the type of issues you could have brought forward. It was just like, it was hard for me to watch, right? But I learned a lot watching you, which is why uh, whenever I have, I think I told this to you also, whenever there, I'm I, I'm really in a tight spot politically or I'm struggling with something, I always called uh, you and Jeff Adachi. And Jeff, of, of course, is yes. no longer with us, but mm-hmm. uh, that watching you in that moment really solidified that for me, like you were a person that I wanted to, stay connected to, so I can have some clarity. I wouldn't be thinking in a reactionary way and I can respond with, with dignity. And um, you said that example for me.
1: Well, thank you so much. You know, Jeff Adachi, um, he said, uh, or somebody was saying of him that, you know, Jeff would have to defend these horrible people. And, and he felt that they were horrible, but then he felt what brought them to this? Mm-hmm. How did they get this? How do they get to this place in their life? Mm-hmm. And that, that makes a big difference. That makes a big, huge difference for, for the person who has to defend them and for the person them, themselves, because you ask that next question, the why. And could it have been me?
2: Mm-hmm. Could
1: things have happened that I would be that way? So Jeff Adachi is, was and still is for me uh, a model. And somebody that I think about as well,
0: yeah, yeah you you've also um you've also helped correct me when I've made mistakes Oh, good. <laughs> I remember one time that uh, this this is something I always do. I just you know there's so much stuff that I want to talk to you about in this and I, and I actually wanted to get into some technology issues and we talked a lot about yes, that also um, and before I get into another story, how can people support your DCCC campaign before we let go of that?
1: Well, thank you. I, I think it's important for everybody to vote
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and to understand you got to go down ballot, which means you look at every every single thing on the ballot. There's some judges that are running, and mm-hmm. these judges are important because I, I think we have we can make a change, another change. We have people who used to be public defenders, and public defenders very seldom get um, selected as judges by the governor.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but we have an opportunity. There are three women. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's extremely important, as well as, well as um, my choice, uh, my candidate, Chesa Bodin. And I was just so happy that San Franciscans got it. They mm-hmm. voted for him. Mm-hmm. And he had never prosecuted a case because he was a public defender, but now he's the head prosecutor. Mm-hmm. But people wanted something different. And I think it's important to look at your, your, your choices um, of candidates. And one way you do that is, what do you value? What's important to you? And you look at their body of work, and then you select that person that closely aligns with your body of work and with what you believe. Mm -hmm. So I hope people will do that with me, Mm -hmm. and that I have shown through my body of work um, what I care about and what's important to me, and, and I hope it resonates with them and they vote for me.
0: Yeah, they should definitely vote for you. Yeah, they should. Yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> it's and a lot tell everyone that go. they know to vote you. for you. And and the boundaries for the race, it's it's split up by assembly district, right? So
1: yeah, there's there's seventeen and nineteen. Nineteen is like the west side, mm-hmm. um, and seventeen is the east side. I'm not quite sure of the boundaries. But that's a homework assignment for people. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> see what. So. But, but what you'll see is the people that you can vote for will be on the ballot, right? Right. right. And the ones that are on the other side will not be.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if you live in uh, Assembly District Seventeen, there are a slate of candidates that are running. Yes. Miss um, Sophie Maxwell is one of them.
1: Right. And that so, was like, thank you. Yeah. And yes. vote for her.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, if you want to donate, how can they do that?
1: Well, um, they can go to. I'm not quite up yet, actually. <laughs> I'm
0: not People sure. Power yet.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm, it's horrible. But I, I'm not quite ready for that yet, okay. and I better hurry up, right? Because it's in a month. <laughs> it's coming. <up. laughs> but 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 keep looking for it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank great. You. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Um, so the story about when you when you reprimanded me, well, it wasn't oh. really like a reprimand. It was kind of was, but it was an important lesson. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, meeting you because I was talking about my campaign for school board and um and i was waiting for you at a restaurant and i was hungry and i started eating food and then (laughs) then, do you remember the story i kind of okay
1: but i think you weren't you you weren't late
0: i was uh, i was late too yeah yeah. you were late yeah okay i was late
1: (laughs) (laughs) i was waiting for you at the restaurant
0: i was late (laughs) Uh, um uh order food and I didn't offer any food uh for you. And um and so it was like a very, very, you know, my grandma taught me better than that. And you and you reminded me of that.
1: <laughs> well that's good. You yeah. haven't done that again, right?
0: No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so I always um especially when I'm meeting with especially when I'm meeting with black women, I always uh I think about that lesson. And um I don't know. I think it's just important to share that you know, it's important for young leaders trying to get started to pay attention to the, the impression that they're making yes. and to pay attention to the little things and yes. and how to treat people and uh, to respect people's time. And you don't really, most people, they would just sort of observe that and hold it against you and not give you an opportunity to improve it. Mm-hmm. And so, in all these massive ways you've been trying to make changes and all these character ways you've been doing it too, which is, I think speaks to the full, um, the full breadth of like how much you care about helping people move forward. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to acknowledge you and tell you, thank you for that also.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for getting the lesson. That's wonderful. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Thank you. yeah. Yeah. And so, um, People should know this, but if somebody wants me to listen, they got to call, like, <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll listen. But oh, okay. <laughs> I listen to a lot of people, um, and and so you have this race coming up. Uh, you're also one of the things I wanted to get into before we sort of like wrap this up is how uh, how the the healthy lifestyle that you live. Mm-hmm. You're very active. What's some of the things that you do to stay active?
1: Well. Um- I love my bike. I ride my bike a lot of places uh-huh. and um and I do Pilates twice a week and I'm mm-hmm. at the lake every day at six o'clock with a group of people mm-hmm. um and I've been a vegetarian for at least fifty years, and oh. so I'm very um aware of what I take in. Mm-hmm. Um, and how I manage my intake. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it gets away from me because I love sugar. <laughs> oh my god, I can eat I can eat cakes and pies and cookies just all the time uh-huh. without you know. But
0: what's your favorite cakes and pies and?
1: Oh cookies? man, I oh well I think <laughs> uh, you start well. Apple is one of my favorites. Pumpkin okay. and any kind of cake. Mm-hmm. I'm not not too much with a lot of frosting and stuff, oh, but it. you know, cookies. Yeah, I mean that stuff just gets good to you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's like they put something in sugar has is addictive, just is, like, and I call yeah. myself a sugar holic. Uh, so uh-huh. I am trying to be very careful, but getting into something else that we were talking about, and that uh-huh. is the tech. Yes. The tech.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's extremely to me important, um, that people understand that how things have shifted, mm-hmm. how we are doing the work that when you go to the, the bank, used to go to the bank and there used to be a teller who had a job and used to, um, Help you, But now you do it. You mm-hmm. do all the work yourself. When you're making a ticket, an airline ticket, you do the work. You carry your bags. Mm-hmm. You do everything.
2: Right.
1: Tickets have not gone down. I think it's important to understand that tech can be very helpful and very useful. Mm-hmm. But then we have to remember that those who are doing and driving this tech, it's not about people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's mm-hmm. about money. Right. Because if it were about people, it would be wonderful to have a robot that in hospitals that could help lift patients up,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and not nurses do mm-hmm. it. There's a lot of things they could do. They could have grocery robots that could meet you at the bottom of the stairs, you know, mm-hmm. for seniors and carry the groceries up or, mm-hmm. or conveyors. There's so many things they could do to help people. And so we've got to be aware of that. You know, nowadays, even working for the city, you can't take your application anywhere.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The first... The first thing that looks at your application is a computer.
2: Mm.
1: So you have to know that language or you don't get to the next system.
2: Right.
1: It's a computer system. Mm. And then you get to the next system. If you're doing insurance, you have to know how to talk to a computer when you call your insurance company. Because if you start a narrative, you have to say, yep, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like that, to get to the next system, mm-hmm. and maybe to get to eventually a person. Right. So these systems are things that that we have to be aware of because who is programming the systems, and who are they programming them for? Mm-hmm. And that means whose language are they programming them for?
2: Right.
1: Whose experiences are they programming them for? Uh, and in the city, it's an issue. and and working with some friends now, and we're looking at the state and status of black and brown women in San Francisco and yes they're employed but where you know mm-hmm. where on the ladder are they employed very much at the bottom right. and how do they get through these systems and how do they get through these people and and so we're working on that and working with the mayor and she's very much interested
2: mm-hmm.
1: in and in, and how we do things and and the systems that we get for you know human resources mm-hmm. oh this system is just great and it does all these things yes but what else does it do and, and we need to make sure that we look into that because there's a third party that can look into the biases
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we hear over and over about those biases and they are real. Mm-hmm. So we have to be very careful in, in, in this um, tech time and when they call it artificial intelligence, the only thing man that I can see has ever created was tools.
2: Right.
1: You don't partner with your car to go shopping. Mm-hmm. You use it. Mm-hmm. You don't partner with your phone. You use the phone. That's the same thing with this technology. You don't partner with AI or artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. It is a tool, and you use it for that. And the more and more they talk about this and try to pretend that it's anything more than that, we have to understand it is not. It is a tool, Mm -hmm. and the tool should be useful for mankind to make mankind better. Europe is doing a great job. I mean, they, well, to a certain extent, you know, they have rules and regulations. We have nothing
0: mm-hmm. in this country. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that back up because we, we have had more extended conversations about, mm-hmm. about the impact of technology and the things that related to facial recognition. And, and you knew that, I mean, you, you've you supported Mission Bit, the organization that I ran for four and a half mm-hmm. and years. Coding. and We taught coding across the Bay Area. And, um, one of the points that you made during one of our conversations that I actually hadn't considered was that um the prices of things haven't gone down, but it's it's cheaper for companies to do things with technology. Yes. And we're basically paying companies to do the work ourselves. Yes. Like the the you know, the, the food isn't cheaper at Safeway. No. And we go no to the No matter what line you get, line. yeah. <laughs> we bag our own groceries, we pay for the food. Um, and, you know, we we haven't seen the cost benefit as a customer. And it's like that in several different aspects. And so I was like, man, that's true. It was
1: Yeah. And these, com- co- you know, what, what was really smart, I thought, is that Local 2, which is the hotel workers, mm-hmm. they put it in their contract
2: mm-hmm.
1: about technology. And I have a friend who was in a, um, she was in Virginia, and I don't remember the hotel. But she forgotten her toothbrush. So she called down. And they said, "Okay, um, some." They said, "I think a robot or somebody will bring it up." She gets a knock at the door, and there's R two D two. I'm just calling it R two D two because it's a robot. Mm-hmm. Comes to the door, and he comes into the it comes into the room, and it says, "You know, open this. Press this button." She opens it, and this cavity oak comes, and her toothbrush, toothbrush, and toothpaste are in it. So she reaches in, and then it says. Are you satisfied with my job? Press this button, and then it. Oh, and it told her its name. and Then it promptly turned around and left.
0: Wow, this happened in Virginia.
1: Yeah, and then she went. She was in another place, probably the same um, hotel chain. Mm. Same thing. Mm-hmm. So they are there, and that's why local two, you know, put it um, in their contract mm-hmm. that even when, and 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 this is constantly happening because these you know chains and hotels are. are are contracting with maybe Stanford and asking them about, you know, making something that can do this. Right.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I actually, um, I sat down with a company that moved out here. They wanted to talk to me about the little robot that they had. And um, I think it's called Pepper. They Mm -hmm. called it Pepper or something Mm -hmm. like that. And they have it in different hotels in different areas mm-hmm. and you talk to it and gives you recommendations or whatever yes. but they did a little demo in the conference room we were in and they were trying to show it that it could read my it could do facial recognition mm-hmm. and so it read the programmer's face who was white and then when it looked at me it was like not registering mm-hmm. but like it couldn't tell who i was or yes you know and so
1: and we have to be careful because mm-hmm. where does it get our faces from mm-hmm. probably jails mm-hmm. right
0: mm-hmm.
1: because that's where the most black men they get their faces from jails and black women and so mm-hmm. there you go so you could be identified as somebody because you are profiled with somebody that's in prison in jail i mean so there's so many things that we have to be very conscious and aware of you know and And there are more and more that are going to be looking a certain way because they're non-threatening. So they're all going to be very light. Mm -hmm. You know, if you see a personal one, it's going to be light, probably with blonde hair and kind of light eyes because Mm -hmm. that's so-called less threatening to Mm -hmm. some people. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And that is a part of continuing with the racism. It is not a neutral system. Right. And so we have to be aware. And, and, I, and I think that they definitely have great, and they've made my life better. I mean, the computer and the phone is very convenient. Mm-hmm. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: like anything else, we have to just be aware of what it is because a lot of times it's done for a different reason, like
0: money. Right. Yeah. And one of, one of the things that the, fa- the robot not reading my face highlighted was that it's not being designed with us in mind. So they're probably using a bunch of different people's faces. They're not thinking about oh, let's do a whole bunch of um, uh, scans of how it can read, uh, you know, darker complexions. And so, I mean, it emphasizes the need for diversity in tech, which you know we talked about on this on this podcast with, uh, with guests in the past. But um, it needs to be also emphasized in and how we create policy and in San Francisco today. Uh, I would say that not enough of our policies that you know are really are more progressive policies have enough of an equity lens, and so um, when we talk about housing, right, and and we talk about homelessness, um, one of the two things that I know you, you can you, you're an expert on you can speak a lot to about what the city has tried to do, what's worked, what hasn't worked. One of the um, frustrations for me around the housing discussion is that when we when we hone in on affordability we take the conversation away from ownership and you know for 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 black families i mean a lot of a lot of our home a lot of our uh net worth was wiped out in the great recession right and historically black families were able to buy here and that's how a lot of americans built their Personal worth is is in home ownership, but a lot of the conversation about how to keep people of color in San Francisco is about affordable housing, and that's that's problematic for me. It doesn't have enough of that ownership aspect to it. What would you say to that?
1: Well, I think um, I think you're you're right. Uh, I, I I don't know in this kind of economy, um, you know, things are changing as far as home ownership, but wealth. But, but what hasn't changed is you do build wealth through home ownership.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And for African-Americans, our home ownership in the last 50 years has gone down. Mm-hmm. You know, we have less home ownership now than we did 50 years ago.
2: Right.
1: And so that has to do with jobs, economy, but lending.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so part of reparations, as far as I'm concerned, should be a part of that lending mm-hmm. because they kept us from, from building wealth. Right. They made it more difficult for us to build wealth. So, and they're continuing to do it. Mm-hmm. So, as I've said before, the bills still going up, and and that's where we need to to think. However, home ownership is to these days, whether it's in a condo, whether it's apartment, uh, whatever it is, mm-hmm. we need to be able to do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We need to be able to build wealth,
2: yeah, for absolutely. our children,
1: for our families, and st- stability, right. You know, that's how you grow families. That's how you grow a stable um, city. Mm -hmm. I I don't know what our future in the city is going to be like. Anybody's future in the city. Because I don't know what's been other than housing, housing, housing. But who's deciding that? Mm -hmm. And what kind of housing? Are we building housing that you can grow in, that families can grow in? A lot of people mm-hmm. grew up in apartments. it's not mm-hmm. the worst thing in the world but mm-hmm. can you grow in that apartment? Are you building it so it's cheap you know 500 square feet mm-hmm. or are you building it so it, it can it can be flexible flexible space they're mm-hmm. doing it in Canada
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that was that's one of the major issues I want to get into like the you know our below market rate program' it's, you know it's, it's maybe like you have to income qualify. It's like 500 square feet if for, um, you know, $300,000. If you go on the open rate, it's the same place for like seven hundred thousand five hundred square feet. And, you know, as uh, culturally, like we have families and culture and, and realistically, because of the displacement, our families are sort of across the Bay Area. So we use cars to get to them, you know, and the city, the city's policies around like, Discouraging driving, and you're an avid biker, right? Like mm-hmm, you, you, mm-hmm. you, you believe in um, using public transit and biking and all of that. But sometimes you need a car, mm-hmm. especially you know what? When you live out in
1: Bayview, when you live in Sunnydale, right? And that's another thing. See, Sunnydale is Sunnydale is beautiful.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you if you're there, like when the kids get out of school, they're running all around and yelling and screaming.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And running up the hills and running in between the houses, it's open. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an open and it's a family place. Right. And there's different kinds of families. Mm-hmm. There's Asian families, there's Samoan families, there's Latinx families, there's Black families. But there's families there. That's mm-hmm. where they are. Right. They have more children there than probably anywhere else in the city. Mm-hmm. But now they want to build five-story buildings and put them in there mm-hmm. and then redo the public housing, right. and have that different. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know what I mean. And and so I, I, I'm just concerned about that because the housing um, developments, and I don't call it public housing. I mean I know about you know public restrooms and public parks, but what's a public house? Hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So this housing, a lot of people work every day that right. live in Sunnydale housing developments and Patrol Hill Housing Developments, mm-hmm. and Bayview Housing Developments. And they've always worked every day.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so these days, it, cause it's workforce housing, and it can be called affordable housing.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: all of a sudden, they want to redo it and put these people in something like like uh, the Pink Palace or something, you right. know, yeah. or Geneva Towers.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah. then the elevators stop working. And then what happens? Mm-hmm. And then when you look, you don't see kids around there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I, you know, I... I we, we need to think about that, right. we need to think about what we're doing, the mistakes we've made in different places um and how people are faring in those places, how families are faring and children,
0: yeah, 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 and I think it's important. I mean we have policymakers at the table that um, they're culturally relevant they have to think about you know what our families need if, if the city's going to be if the city's going to be serious about uh, keeping and growing a black community here to, uh, it has to be thinking about lending the types of housing that we're building um, and how to accommodate families that we know come with very rich cultures and certain needs if they're going to really yeah. be seriously rooted here. So
1: Yes, and to say that your grandson who just got out of jail mm-hmm. can't live with you. I yeah, mean, yes, you know, that's how I grew up with, I never knew a day without my grandmother. Right. My grandmother was there, my mother was there, my sisters and my brothers, you know, we were all together, and that's how we were able to to move on and buy other property and because we were together
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so we need to rethink that policy
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and and not just not just go with that but rethink it because it's not family building mm-hmm.
0: yeah
1: it's, it's not doesn't build you don't build families you never knew a day without you had your grandmother yeah. and your mother and your all these people mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you could live with mm-hmm well suppose you can't live couldn't live with them right yeah suppose they were in a a a place where they didn't couldn't have kids Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yeah couldn't spend
1: the night couldn't get away for a minute
0: yeah that's very real for our families and uh you know my my uh our home that my grandmother lives in was bought by her father, my great grandfather, mm-hmm. Luther Harris, and he bought it in nineteen forty seven. Wow. And it's still in the it's still in the family. Mm-hmm. And it's been that um that uh, home base for all of us. You know, she had five children. She has like eleven grandchildren. I think you all stayed there. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> at some at some point. And um and I actually that's a good transition to how I wanted to Close this out Because I, I named I started a consulting practice And I named it after my great grandfather It's called The Good. Luther Harris Holding Company Wow And um, And so I wanted to close this out Talking about leadership And legacy
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, So I'll get back to my My great grandfather In a minute But You're obviously I mean you're, you're I think you're one of the um, You're a celebrated And uh, Honored leader For me in the city Of San Francisco And I think A lot of us feel that way, which is why we keep voting for you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. What is, do you have any guiding principles when it comes to leadership?
1: Yes, I do. Um, I believe that whoever has the ball at the time is the leader. And sometimes your job is to give them the resources they need to lead. And that means collective leadership. Mm -hmm. So when you look behind you, there's somebody there all around you. Because there's nothing like being a leader and the only person you're leading is yourself. And also, that our leaders are who people choose. Not who somebody, every black minister or preacher is a leader. I always say, well, is every priest an a, a Irish leader or whatever?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know. So I think leadership has to be shared. And it has to be, especially these days. Nobody wants a you know, there's no one person anymore. Mm-hmm. People want to be a part of that. And that's what I think is important to remember, that you, you are a part of something. And if you choose to go into um, public service, you're a public servant. Mm-hmm. And I always say that to people, you know, a politician I a public servant, to remind myself, I'm a public servant. Mm-hmm. And I have to conduct myself in a certain way. And I can't go just anywhere and act just any old way because I represent people. Mm-hmm. And when you ask people to vote for you, you're taking them with you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. And they know. They know your schedule. I remember I was at the bank. I was running a little late, and I had a committee meeting. Mm-hmm. It was at 10 o'clock. And I wasn't going to be late for it, but I was just kind of running late, and so I wanted to stop at the bank. So I went in this bank, and this man said, he looked at me, and he looked at his watch, and he said, don't you have a committee meeting? Oh, you Supervisor Maxwell. I said, <laughs> he said, don't you have a committee meeting? And I said, yes. He said, and then he told everybody in the line, mm-hmm. and they let me go. Mm-hmm. because he knew my schedule. Mm-hmm. He knew who I was, mm-hmm. where I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So that's really how it is. In San Francisco, we don't have movie stars. We have public servants, mm-hmm. and people are aware of who you are, what you're doing, and what you say. Mm-hmm. And you can be riding in your car, thinking, and they'll look at you and, and go, oh, and, and say, smile. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I don't feel like smiling. Oh, yeah. I gotta make this vote. So I think that, that people people are aware and you need to be aware that you've taken on a responsibility of leadership. And people elected you and they selected you. Mm-hmm. And so they're looking at you and they're expecting you to understand that and keep them in mind. Yeah. When you do things.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And even when you say things
0: yeah yes um i agree you, yes you, you as a you public
1: should. official right. what do you think? yeah
0: well no you No. you have uh you, you you've told me those things before and uh and i've kept them in my mind good um so uh legacy so i mentioned my great grandfather luther harris um he he came out here from prescott arkansas with a sixth grade education bought properties for him and all of his children
2: mm-hmm.
0: at a time you know when it was hard for black folk to do much of anything in the country. This is his dictionary? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and these are my great grandmother's chairs. Oh great. Uh, yeah. And so when I his his legacy is important to me yes. and it helps inform how I think about my legacy. Your your family's legacy is is very much uh, solidified in San Francisco. But how do you think about l- legacy in general and then your legacy?
1: Well, you know, I always tell my grandson. um, I always tell him about his name. I said, "You, you have a name to carry, and it's important how you carry that name. You know, your father's name and your people. We are your people, and how do you use that?" And my my cousin said to me, "Sophie, how are you going to use your mother's name?" When she wasn't dead or anything, he just said, "So what are you going to do? How are you going to, you know?" In the world, how are you going to use this name? And what she's built up, this name that means something. So I think that that the names, you know, we have to carry those family names mm-hmm. and understand of how we conduct ourselves and whatever it is that you do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If your legacy is to be the best um, garbage man and that's an honorable job, then you be the best of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you be, oh, you're, you're so-and-so's grandson? Oh, I knew him because so-and-so. You know, mm-hmm. it's not about what you do. It's about who you are. And the legacy and the family name that you carry mm-hmm. and that you realize that it means something. It means a lot because people don't may not know you. For me, people didn't know me, but they knew my mother.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You Miss Maxwell's daughter? Well, I know Miss Maxwell will not let you do so and so and so. And that's what made the difference for me. Mm-hmm. That's what made the difference because I was there were many, many candidates and a lot of them had a lot more money than it. I ran my, can, my campaign from my home. Mm -hmm. From my house So it was about that name Mm -hmm. It's about what it meant So it's your legacy And the one that you continue in the legacy that you want to have Because you can always make your own legacy Mm It doesn't have to be what happened in the past Or somebody else's It can be yours You can start right now from this day Mm -hmm. And decide the legacy you're going to have You can look at other people and say I want to be like that Mm -hmm. That's going to be my legacy So a legacy is something that you as you mentioned, my legacy that you can de- that you can determine and decide, and I want mine to be one of um, openness, one of um, integrity and love, and um, and understanding. But I think the most important is love. Mm-hmm. That people know that you you deep down when they meet you, they feel that from you mm-hmm. because that's an armor. And it protects you from a lot of things
2: mm-hmm.
1: keeps you open keeps you smiling and as you age ask me it helps with the wrinkles
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah it well, helps well, with
1: you, the wrinkles yeah, well I
0: think like you um, yeah you, you, you've you aged wonderfully well thank you yeah <laughs> that's why I wanted to talk about the help stuff that's because right, uh, what's
1: the alternative right yeah
0: Tell yeah Miss um, Maxwell thank you
1: well thank you so much yeah. and you really make me proud, and and thank you so much. I know your 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 grandmother, your great grandfather, and are very proud of what you've done and and how you've honored them with, with with what you've done with your life.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us.
1: Certainly, anytime. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> peace, peace, and thank you for listening to another episode of Cook on Monday Morning. It was really awesome to have Miss Maxwell, Sophie Maxwell on today's podcast her experience working in the city working on behalf of its residents and um, making changes in a positive way for all San Franciscans is you know really inspiring to me she is a person that I've constantly sought advice from I hope you learned a lot about her her story how she thinks about uh, leadership and the change that she wants to make on a DCCC I hope you'll support her campaign for DCCC as well Uh, i'd like to thank her for coming on today's podcast i'd like to thank the people that made this podcast possible david topete my videographer and producer fernando encinco marquez for the editing that he uh, does for the newsletter i'd like to thank all the people that have uh, subscribed and commented on the podcast on youtube we're growing Uh, we're on this road to get to 2020 subscribers by april 30th of 2020 You're making that possible. I deeply appreciate your support, you sharing what uh, we're doing here and the positive feedback that you've given me about how this is helping affect and and improve your Monday morning. Because at Cook on Monday Morning, we believe that if you own Monday morning, you can own the week. If you change your week, you can change your year. And if you change your year, you'll change your life. Uh, I like to just end this podcast by thanking all the people that make San Francisco run, our teachers, our uh, janitors, our school lunch workers, our muni drivers, uh, the people that keep our streets safe, our first responders, the, the people that keep our streets clean. Thank you. This podcast is for you. This city is what it is because of you. And I deeply appreciate you. I'm your biggest fan. I also like to just extend a note of appreciation and a, a desire to build community to the people in cities like Oakland, LA, Houston, Dallas, New Orleans, Chicago, Philadelphia, DC, New York, you know Miami, Detroit, anyone, anywhere that is committed to improving themselves and their community, uh, it starts by what we do here on Monday morning. If you are interested in getting in touch with me related to the work that I do at the Luther Harris Holding Company, you can reach out to me at stevoncook.com. It's a consulting practice. We do brand awareness, strategic advising, and we uh, help companies become more socially responsible through uh, community initiatives. So if any of that is of interest to you, please reach out to me, uh, info at stevoncook.com. You can also reach out to me uh, on Twitter. I'm at at Stevoncook. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, We look forward to hearing from you. We look forward to building with you. And uh, until next week, peace, peace, and we out.